Mickey's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's the Mark K Show. Listen, like, share. You know, it was so much easier to get an Uber this morning. They, they, thank God for the, uh, thank God for uh, delete your Uber app. Man, that made it. That really, that really made it easier. Like two minutes, there were like three Ubers outside my house. You know, every cloud, every cloud has a silver lining. What's up, everybody? I'm Mark K. Look, I've read this thing like 20 times. I've read this thing probably 20 times. All right, maybe, maybe, maybe not that many. But uh, I, I can't find the words Muslim ban in it anywhere. It, it really, I've been, and I've been looking and you know what I did? I even went on my computer and I pulled up the PDF and I typed in the search bar that, you know, just searches for stuff for you. I typed in Muslim and ban and that didn't show up. And then I typed in Muslim and that word didn't even show up. Then I typed in just ban and that wasn't even there. That was in fact, the only place I've seen the word Muslim ban when it comes to uh, this, which is Donald Trump's executive order on uh, travel and immigration restrictions is on Twitter. And also, uh, and also on on Facebook. But I mean, I thought for sure when I when I started reading it, I want there's a purpose about visas in order to protect Americans. It says it's the policy of its United States and can tear that. Nothing in here about anyone's religion or race. Uh, really, the only thing that it mentions are those those seven countries um, of uh, travel origin. So it's really, I mean, I don't. You know what? Again, I, the people tend to blow things uh, way out of proportion. It's you know, I don't understand how the media again can just get away with this stuff constantly because if if it you know whenever they're telling you in civics class about freedom of speech, they say stuff like uh they say stuff like you have the right to say whatever you want, but you don't have the right to go into a crowded movie theater and yell fire, especially if there isn't one. By the way, I have a little bit of a cold, so if I sound really weird or if I start to sneeze on the camera, that's exactly that's exactly why. So you can't run into a crowded movie theater and yell fire because you could be falsely inciting some kind of panic. I feel like the press typing up headlines and publishing reports of a Muslim ban is kind of the equivalent of me running into a movie theater and yelling fire at the top of my lungs. And the proof is in the pudding. And the pudding is the thousands of protesters that shut down airports and and blocked the terminals and, and stopped traffic. And even the taxi driver, the taxi drivers in New York City, this I'll never understand. I, I never understand the taxi drivers. First of all, don't taxi drivers have it bad enough? Don't they have it bad enough? Isn't it already one of the crappiest jobs in the world to be a New York City cab driver? And I, I can't imagine the pay's all that great and there's all these regulations and and the hours are horrible and you never know who's going to puke in the back of your taxi. And again, I apologize for that, for all of the taxi drivers whose uh, cabs I... I went to school in you. I went to NYU. So I spent a lot of time uh, puking in the back of cabs. But these taxi drivers in New York City, they went on strike and they refused to drive people to JFK Airport. They refused to drive people to JFK Airport. Taxi drivers in New York City, in an effort to protest Donald Trump's Muslim ban, of which the words Muslim and ban don't even appear, in order to do that, they went on strike and they refused to drive any passengers to John F. Kennedy Airport. Think about this. The taxi drivers in New York City, in an effort to retaliate against a Republican president named Donald Trump, 
refused to drive New Yorkers, a.k.a. Hillary Clinton supporters, to an airport named after John F. Kennedy. I don't understand. I don't understand. who You can't even write this stuff. You, so now these poor Hillary Clinton supporters can't make their connections on time. They can't get to their airplanes to, to fly out to God knows wherever they're going. And it's all because the taxi drivers are mad at Donald Trump. Man, as if those Hillary Clinton supporters in New York City weren't angry enough as it is. Listen, we've got a bunch of stuff we have to talk about today. Uh, first of all, before, before we get to any of that, though, I want to remind you, and this is really important, I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the wild working it like Donald T., now, when we this is this is the T-shirt that uh, we came up with last week, and and this style has started flying off the shelves. I mean, it, it, like I don't want to sound cliche, but uh, I will. It when we announced this on Friday, I think it instantly became the best-selling T-shirt we've ever uh, we've ever offered. Working it like Donald, get wild. This is a T-shirt for you or for anyone you know who makes bold decisions, has big dreams, isn't afraid of what anybody says about them or thinks about them, and will work diligently every single day, uh, knocking down roadblocks and and pushing people out of the way to make those dreams a reality. If that's you. If you get up every single day knowing what you want to do to make your life and the life of those around you better, then you need to get wild. You need this t-shirt so everyone knows that you are working it like Donald. Uh, I'll put a link up to this uh, t-shirt again in, in the uh, description of this video, but you can go to teespring.com slash wild shirt and get yours today. They're very, like I said, very pie. I was, I was even shocked. I bought one for myself. It's on the way, but uh, I was even shocked at how 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 uh, popular those became when we in, when we announced them on Friday. Only a couple days left too. I think they're uh, only through Thursday. You can get those. So please don't wait because you'll be too late. So uh, so all right. So this Twitter hashtag Muslim ban. Uh, this this thing. I don't know who the first person to tweet out Muslim ban was, but whoever it was. I mean, that's when all hell broke loose because people unfortunately don't actually get their news from the source. Again, this is and this is easy to find. This is the full. Uh, executive order that Donald Trump signed banning travel from certain countries for a limited amount of time. All right. And it was so, I just Googled it. I found the PDF. I printed it out. It's all written in English. It's very legible. You know, I could read it, but people don't get their news that way. They go to Twitter and they look at the hashtags and there was a hashtag Muslim ban. And that's when people thought that Donald Trump was banning Muslims. So they started showing up all over the airport, all over the country at all the airports. Again, they were, they were, they were blocking the entryways. They were blocking the terminals. They were disrupting every kind of, I mean, and then they, these poor taxi drivers also New York city. I mean, the Donald Trump, Okay, he's from there. Okay, that's where the de- de- uh, de- detainees were. Pardon me. Again, I said I have a cold. Uh, but Donald Trump was 230 miles south in Washington, D.C. Why is why are people shutting down an airport for no... I mean, and that's, what good is that even going to do? If if you want to talk to the guy, he's in Washington. Get on, a, get on a plane. You're at the airport already. You know, hail a cab and, uh, and head down to Washington, D.C., now, uh, the one thing I thought of, by the way, there's a lot of conspiracy theories popped. Well, you know what? We'll get to that here in just a minute. But but all these people uh, really up in arms and, and started writing these stories about a hashtag, a hashtag Muslim ban. And the problem with hashtags is that they're irresponsibly written. If Please, if you're going to hashtag, hashtag responsibly, because hashtags have consequences. They really, really do especially when they can be retweeted so easily and especially when they're so catchy and inflammatory. And I did see a lot of news organizations jump on this trend as well. There's a a ton of news organizations who 
I mean, I don't know if they just don't care anymore about reporting the facts or if they didn't know uh, what the facts were. Maybe they didn't have copies of this, although I downloaded this from CNN's website. Today, everyone's pulled back a little bit. And if you go on any of the news sources, if you go on the Drudge Report, if you Google anything about the travel ban, you'll notice that it's no longer referred to on news websites as a Muslim ban because somebody finally did some due diligence. Donald Trump came out and said it's it's not about Muslims. It's about these countries where terrorists are bred. <laughs> terrorists are born and bred with the seven countries. Wait, I just the seven countries that are involved: Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen. Now, you may not know a lot about those countries, but let me ask you this: Anyone making spring break plans in Somalia? Are Iran, Iraq, Yemen, are they high on your list of resort locations? I know a lot of people aren't even going to Paris anymore because they're afraid of what's going to happen uh, to them with the terrorism and the Syrian refugees and the refugees that are pouring across the border. I was in Germany and people were petrified with fear about, about being attacked by, by, uh, by Middle Eastern uh, terrorists who were coming across the border in droves, in droves. And that's Europe. We're talking about we're talking about Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen. These are countries where it's known that terrorism exists. These are countries where it's known that ISIS and Al Qaeda have have training centers, and they're out there actively recruiting people to come to the United States and basically kill us. That's what this whole thing was about. Um, you know, the Democrats for a long time have, have uh, and I've been explaining this to people that, you know, how can you be for a Muslim ban? I'm not at all for a Muslim ban and no one else is either. Neither is Donald Trump. Neither is the Department of Homeland Security. If you read it again, it's a travel ban on certain countries and people in different countries can be all kinds of races and nationalities and creeds and religions and uh, so on and so forth. So this hashtag journalism, man, this is uh, as 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 entertaining as it can be. And I'll be honest with you, I hashtag all the time. I mean, that's how I drive so much traffic to my website and to my YouTube videos and to my podcast. Uh, you know, hashtag journalism is, is the way to go. But, uh, you know, you need to do some due diligence as well. So all these people started freaking out. And, uh, and, and as you saw, there were just protests all over the city. Je- okay, here's another problem I have with this. It's not just the media, but it's also Congress and the Senate. And I'd like to point out Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer, Democratic senator from New York. Chuck Schumer in an effort to stoke and continue to provoke the mayhem and the pandemonium that, and I only use the word pandemonium because people like pandas. They think they're cute. Uh, and, and the pandemonium that occurred because of this hashtag Muslim ban, he, he called a press conference, canceled whatever plans he had, called a press ca- conference, found some refugees, got up in front of the cameras, and that guy... This guy, he's 60-some years old. He's been in the Senate forever. He's from New York, for crying out loud. He got in front of the press, and he cried. This executive order was was mean-spirited and un-American. Pardon me. Again, you caught me wiping my nose because I told you I had a cold. Look, again, and I've never... I've never actually, I lived in New York. I never voted there, but I just feel like if you are a representative from the most populous state in the country, one of the most populous states in the country, 
representing millions and millions of Americans, if you're in the state where people are bombarding the airport, where these, these, uh, these refugees and these travelers are being detained while this executive order goes into effect, if you're the guy who's at the forefront of this battle, if you're the general in charge of the, of the crazy liberal chanting troops with all the signs who haven't showered in days, if that's you, you probably shouldn't be crying. I mean, I get that you're emotional, but dude, you got to suck it up, man. You got to, you got to suck it up. You can't get in front of there and start shedding tears. No one's going to take you seriously. And in fact, nobody did. Uh, Donald Trump later in a, in, a, uh, in a meeting with small business people said he was about 5% sure. I'm sorry. He was about 95% sure that those tears were fake. 5% that they were real. I mean, if you prove your point with anger, prove your point with, with, with words, but don't get, please don't get up there and cry as a representative. I feel like that's just, I mean, again, maybe it's your tactic, but I just don't, I just don't feel like it's the right one. Personally, that's just me. Again, I've never been a Senator. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I just don't, <laughs> I just, I just don't under, I just don't understand it. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, moving on to the, to you know, what happened after that, of course you saw, you saw all of the, um, the protesters all over the country, uh, the judges started coming down and they started throwing down these stays. Now judges have very little power, federal judges, when it comes to executive orders. And they were, they were basically sitting here, you know, uh, in New York and Brooklyn courtroom, they said that you had to let in the green card holders, but the problem was that the department of Homeland Security workers just basically ignored the claim. Everything was moving so fast and happening so rapidly that nobody really knew what the hell was going on. And people still don't. People still don't. But in the end, we see that when the smoke clears and people start looking at what this actually is and what actually happened, and when you start judging the response, engaging the response of regular people who voted for Donald Trump, voted in this election, you see that Donald Trump comes out once again, solidifying his position and in a stronger position of power than he did going into the weekend. Donald Trump continues to drive the narrative and continues to go forward on his campaign promises. And the fact of the matter is that he signed this order at 442 on Friday. We had weekends worth of protests. The SAG Awards had all these you know, crazy actors again making these speeches and claiming that this is a country of, of immigrants and yada yada, and that's very exciting. Uh, and then we wake up Monday morning and we start to see that the Muslim ban has turned into Trump's ban or the travel ban because people have calmed down, they've looked at it, and they realize that's exactly what it is. It's a travel ban. Also, it's temporary. It's a way to say, stop. You know, like there's this art. My, my wife was telling me about this article she read the other day, and it was from the Silicon Valley tech tycoon entrepreneur who said, here are some questions you should always ask yourself whenever you get frazzled, whenever you have something's going on. If you really want to succeed, here are some questions that you need to, to ask yourself. And the first question, you know what the first question was? People always think the first question is, what do you really want? Uh, what makes you happy? You know, what is your ultimate goal? No, the first question this guy came up with was, wait, what? Okay, that's the first question. It was, wait, what? That's the first question he said you should ask yourself. And as you read through the article, it's fascinating. He says, every now and then you need to stop when you're in a situation you don't understand and say, wait, what? And you need to kind of comprehend what's going on. And then after you've stopped and you've gauged what's going on, you can make a plan to go forward. And you can either say, okay, I get it now and continue on that path or say, wait a minute, that's insanity. Let's try this instead. And what Donald Trump did on Friday by signing this executive order is he said, wait, what? 
What are we doing here with these visas? What are we doing here with these Syrian refugees? What are we doing here with these immigrants? Wait, what? He just got to office. He's getting information that he was never privy to before. And it's now on his shoulders. It's his job to make sure that America is safe, to make sure that the campaign promises he made to the millions of Americans who voted for him and continue to support him are being fulfilled. So he gets into office and every day, the first thing Donald Trump says is, wait, what? And then he, once he understands the situation, he goes forward. It's something we all do and we all should do. It's what effective leaders do. They question everything. They stop, stop everything. Just stop it. We're going to regroup and we're going to come back and we're going to have a new plan in place. And that's why there's a 90 day ban on, uh, on immigrants, uh, from a certain country or a, a 120 day ban on immigrants from those seven countries. And, uh, that's why they've lowered the amount of refugees coming in because we need a stronger vetting system. We need, Donald Trump, Donald Trump never said ban Muslim. Nobody ever said that except for some doofuses on Twitter. The other thing about these countries is that I want to bring up was there was a lot of, a lot of people angry that the countries that were mentioned were not the countries that the 9-11 terrorists came from. Did you know, I don't know if you saw any of that on Twitter, but uh, you know, Donald Trump and, and, uh, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Sean Spicer were on all the, all the programs, Kellyanne Conway, and people kept repeatedly saying, Why? in fact, I have this tweet here from Cory Booker. Here's a tweet from Cory Booker, okay? So this is in response to Roman Wardzala. No idea who Roman Wardzala is, but he's got a cool name. Uh, and he wrote, Evan McMullen, Cory Booker, anyone who has a problem with what the president is doing, then they don't have a damn clue what's going on. And Cory Booker, uh, by the way, who desperately wants to be the second black president of the United States, Cory Tweeter uh, retweeted or tweeted back, you, written cool like a teenage girl would do, just the letter U, are without a clue. He banned Muslims from seven countries, yet there hasn't been one person killed here from those countries in over 40 years. This tweet really interested me for two reasons. Number one, as you can see, he banned Muslims, which he did not, which shows me that Cory Booker, who is part of the political process here in the United States, who desperately wants to hold the job of president of the United States, didn't even bother to do what I did someone who's not politically involved, someone who has no political intentions, someone who just has, you know, a, a Gmail account and some strong Wi-Fi, I was able to read this thing and realize that it's not a ban on Muslims. Cory Booker was not. The second thing that really I found curious was that he wrote, not one person killed here from those countries in over 40 years. So according to Cory Booker, the statute of limitations for killing Americans in a terrorist attack is a mere 40 years. That's nothing, man. 40 years goes by. Great. We can just welcome everybody back in. I, I never under, I don't know why you would put any kind of it. I feel if one person has ever been killed by a terrorist from one of those countries, that's something we, we should really seriously consider forever and ever. We should really, we should vet everybody coming into this country. If one person in the United States was killed by somebody from another country, we should probably have them on some kind of permanent list where the 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 uh, the what do you call it? the um, rules and regulations for vetting and inviting somebody from that country into ours that should definitely be more strenuous. I mean, don't, it, does that not make sense? Sure. If you look at these seven countries again that that were mentioned in Donald Trump's report, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Sudan, Somalia, Yemen. Okay, we know that the 9-11 hijackers were not from any of those countries. We know they were from the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Lebanon. But it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter where they're from. They still came here and killed 3,000 Americans. Why does their country of origin matter? Are we just supposed to wait for terrorists from these seven countries to come here before we start imposing travel bans? What if we had some kind of travel ban or extreme vetting system that kept Mohammed Atta and his, his band of merry terrorists away from uh, Boston Logan's airport and JFK airport? What if we were able to keep them out before they came in? It just seems like something that we maybe would have wanted to do. I don't, I don't, going forward, preventive medicine is not hatred. It's actually kind of smart, isn't it? I mean, don't the doctors tell you when you have, you know, don't the doctors tell you, oh, you have signs of heart disease, you know, you're, you're high cholesterol, high blood pressure. You need to, you, we need to put you on some preventative measures. Why don't you start exercising? Why don't you eat healthy? Why don't you cut out caffeine and salt and sugar and alcohol and cigarettes and all the fun stuff in this cocaine and uh, sex and stuff, all the fun stuff that we've come to know and love. Cut that out of your diet. Why? Because we don't want you to die of a heart attack. Well, if we know that ISIS terrorists and, and Al Qaeda training camps and former terrorists are coming from countries like Syria and Iraq and Iran and Libya and Sudan and Somalia and Yemen and the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia and Egypt, shouldn't we maybe like, hey, let's let's go, let's moderation, you know, not so much of that Egyptian salt on my on my on my vegetables because the doctor said I've got to, you know, it's preventative. I, I mean, I just again, maybe we need Ben Carson. Maybe we need Ben Carson as Secretary of State so that he can explain medically how you treat problems that can harm your body, that can adversely affect who you are. So that was the first thing. That was the first thing. Cory Booker, by the way, at this guy, if anyone should say off of Twitter, it's Cory Booker because I just feel like this is going to be this is going to be a problem for him. This is going to be a problem for him. Uh, which, uh, also, Miss Kenya. I want to talk about Miss Kenya for a minute because I don't watch the Miss Universe pageant. Um, uh, the only thing I, you know what? I was happy that they brought uh, Steve Harvey back because when he announced the wrong, I, I'm personally, I think Steve Harvey is a very funny guy and he got some flack the other day for an Asian joke that was, okay, it was moderately funny, slightly offensive. But to me, the funniest thing he ever did or said was when he announced the wrong Miss Universe winner last year. And I thought, I, everyone said, well, that's it. He's done. And I thought, no way in hell. They are definitely bringing Steve Harvey back. That guy, because that's the twisted way I think. I think to myself, if I'm running the Miss Universe pageant, I'm going to bring the same guy back and I'm going to have everyone tune in to see if he announces the wrong girl again. And sure enough, Steve Harvey was back this year. And he announced the right winner. It was Miss France. Congratulations. Bonjour. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? Uh, but what he didn't, what he didn't do was expect an answer to a question about Donald Trump from Miss Kenya. Listen to, if you miss this, this is Miss Kenya. And she starts to answer a question about Donald Trump. The audience begins to react, but then everyone's shocked when her answer turns and goes away that nobody, including Steve Harvey expected. Watch this. What are you most excited about and what most concerns you when it comes to the presidency of Donald Trump. Politics <laughs> uh, is, okay, let me just start again. <laughs> Donald Trump, having been elected as the president of the United States, may not have been the choice of many people living in the United States because 
because of the divided support system for the outgoing president Barack Obama who was supporting an upcoming woman president who was supposed to be a woman president Hillary Clinton so so many people opposed his position but I feel that once he took up his position he was able to unify the entire nation thank you very much thank you Kenya wow can you believe that? Uh, you know, <laughs> you know the, the producers were like, I can you not believe what that just happened? That is not at all what they thought was going to happen when they asked a Miss Universe contestant that, that question. Especially Miss Kenya. Wow. Isn't that a shocker? That somebody who's actually studied politics in America and knows a little bit about what's going on can formulate her own opinion, and it may actually be different than the masses in the media and the political elitists on the left who use hashtags and and any angle that they can to pit Americans against each other. Bravo, Miss Ken. I was kind of hoping she was going to win after that. Also, she's very attractive. Um, I mean, they're all it's Miss Universe. There's not. They're all very. They're all very attractive in their own way. By the way, if you haven't yet shared this broadcast, I'd love for you to take a moment. And if you're watching on Facebook, uh, it, you know, just please hit the share button. That would help out a lot. We can build the audience. You can share what, if, if you enjoy this, that is, you can share this with other people who you think may actually enjoy it as well. And uh, as I always say, if you don't think they'll enjoy it, then what better way to tick them off than by sharing something that they're not going to enjoy? Because clearly they're on the wrong side of, uh, they're the wrong side of history. All right. Uh, quick, I want to take just a minute here. When I come back, I'm going to talk to you about these three, uh, uh, what do you call it? Conspiracy. You know what? Let's do it now. These three conspiracy theories. There's three conspiracy theories that I came up with on my own during the weekend, during all of these protests, during all of these boycotts. And if you're, and if you're on Twitter, you see there's boycott Starbucks, there's boycott Uber. People were deleting their Uber apps. Bear with me for a second, because this Uber thing, here's a conspiracy theory that I'm shocked nobody's jumped on yet. I thought that the I thought that the press, because I've been reading about how Donald Trump's in bed with the Russians, how Donald Trump is, has gotten a 19% investment from Russian uh, corporations. I'm reading about how Donald Trump wouldn't divest his companies or his hotels. because Somebody actually said that the seven countries, the uh, Muslim countries that were banned, are all countries that Donald Trump doesn't have hotels or real estate interest in. And that's why Saudi Arabia and the UAE didn't appear on the list. So there's a lot of conspiracy theories regarding Donald Trump and his ability to make money and him using his political power uh, to further his his uh, his you know business uh, positions. But there's one conspiracy theory I didn't think of or that I didn't hear. I thought of it, didn't hear it, shocked I didn't. It re- it involves Uber. You may remember last week we talked a little bit about this Uber. The ride, uh, the uh, you know, you get the car, the black car, or you can get an Uber share, or you just get a regular person to pick you up. It's like a taxi service, but you hit the button on your phone, and then the, they come and pick you up. They take you away. It's all through your credit card. You don't have to tip. You don't have to have any cash, and it's in pretty much every city in the country. It's brilliant. It's phenomenal. It's a great app, and all these people were upset because Uber apparently is is interested in working with Donald Trump. The CEO of Uber released a statement saying, we are interested in working with Donald Trump to further our positions and help our customers and work with them on transportation and safety and the issues that are facing America, which you think would be great and a positive position for somebody to take. I mean, you've got this guy running a multi-billion dollar company who obviously knows something about making money and, and smart investments and building something from the ground up. And he's saying, I look forward to working with our president. 
But of course, the protesters and the Uber libs and everybody who's just so blatantly and blindly opposed to Donald Trump and everything that he stands for couldn't take it, especially since Uber's in San Francisco. So they went and they blocked off the doorways to Uber and nobody could come in and they were trying to you know, tell people to go away and Uber had to tell its employees, hey, go work from home. Well, when, when the taxi drivers at JFK Airport decided that they were going to strike and not drive anybody, not drive any of the New York Hillary supporters to the John F. Kennedy Airport to catch their flights, again, something I just don't understand, uh, when they decided they weren't going to do that, then what happened was Uber became pretty much the only game in town. Everybody was trying to grab an Uber. And what happens is when everybody's trying to get an Uber and and, uh, there's little demand, the rates go up. This is not a new thing, all right? This is not a new thing at all. Uber does this whenever there's a major concert, a major sporting event. It's all part of the supply and demand principle. If everybody wants an Uber and you only have this many Ubers, you jack up the price. And you do that because it's going to bring down demand so that you can actually then uh, support the customers who are willing to pay. And of course, it gives your drivers a boost during peak hours. When there's when there's a lot of people demanding your product and very little product to go around, everybody knows. That's why the price of gold goes up. That's why you know uh, the cattle futures and orange futures and oil futures. That's that's how the economy works. Supply and demand. Short supply and big demand for a short supply. That supply goes for a premium. Small demand for a huge supply, that thing goes out for free, which is why this podcast is free, because <laughs> there's there's a huge supply of me and very little demand. <laughs> so I can't really I can't really jack up my prices uh, at all. Anyway, so that's what Uber did. Everyone got so ticked off, they started deleting their Uber apps. And again, another hashtag went out. Delete Uber. Uber supports Trump. Uber is making uh, is is profiting off of the New York City taxi driver strike. Well, duh, they're a corporation. They're supposed to make money. And the Uber, the only people getting punished are the Uber drivers who now can't get as many fares because all you morons are deleting your Uber app. How is that helping anybody? You know how many Uber app, uh, Uber drivers are immigrants? Probably a lot, probably as many as taxi drivers. You know how many people, and in fact, the majority of New York City, uh, you know, taxi drivers and car drivers are probably first or second or third generation immigrants. And you're hurting them by taking away their business. And you're only taking away their business because their company is affiliated with the president of the United States. Is Donald Trump upset that you deleted the Uber app? No. Is the CEO of Uber upset that you deleted the Uber app? Probably not. You're hurting the drivers, the ones that you're trying to help. Me, I'm, I'm ecstatic. If I wanted an Uber right now, I could get one in 120 seconds. Two minutes, there'd be an Uber at my door, uh, thanks to the purging of, um, of, uh, of you know, uh, anti-Trump, uh, never-Trump Uber drivers. But, but here, here's the conspiracy. Here's how this works out. Think about it. If I were some kind of warped and twisted uh, leftist, I would say that this was all a plot by Donald Trump to help his friends in the, in the travel industry. For example, Donald Trump signs a travel ban. He detains immigrants at JFK Airport. As a result, the taxi drivers in New York City go on strike and refuse to drive people to JFK. Uber then sees an increase in demand, starts charging higher prices, makes more money. Therefore, Donald Trump's uh, executive order banning travel from seven countries directly affects the bottom line of a company of someone who promoted and uh, swore allegiance to the Trump administration. How, I mean, that is, 
That is packaged up and handed to somebody. Haven't seen it anywhere. I don't know why I'm the one that has to think about this. I don't know why that I don't know why I haven't seen that anywhere. I'm a little shocked that I haven't. The other one is Delta Airlines. Yesterday, and in just a minute, I'm gonna tell you how I was detained at the airport, because a lot of people are saying, How were you detained at the airport? I'll tell you. I'll tell you that's coming up in just a minute. If you want to hear about me being detained at the airport, hang tight. Also, uh, share this broadcast because your friends are going to want to hear it too. Um, then the second one is with Delta. Delta Airlines yesterday. I went. On, I actually went online because my family and I travel for Easter every year to see my in-laws in D.C., ironically. And we went on to make our travel plans. Uh, we wanted to get in a good fare. And I went on. Uh, I usually go on American and Delta because those are the two big airlines that fly from where I am to where I want to go. So I went on American first, and I pulled up the rates, and I saw what it was. I said, "All right, that's not bad. Let me uh, let me cross reference with Delta." And I went on the Delta website, and they said, "We're sorry, we're experiencing a shutdown on all of our apps and websites." And I thought, "Well, that's weird. Sunday night." Why the, who the hell's on Delta? So then I go to my phone and I pull up my Delta app. Same thing. We're sorry, but we're currently experiencing a problem with our app and online services. And I thought to myself, this is so weird. And then all of a sudden I get email alerts because I'm part of the media and I'm getting these email press releases and alerts that the entire Delta network is shut down and it's causing mayhem and havoc in airports all across America and flights have been canceled and rerouted and is on top of all the protests and the and the hashtag Muslim ban and everything else going on, now Delta is shutting down the... No one can fly anywhere. It's mass chaos and hysteria. Why is nobody blaming Russian hackers for this? I mean, that just seems like, that's a gimme. That is a conspiracy theory that is just handed on a silver platter to here. Here, look. Look, the Russians are, are hacking Delta. They're shutting down the airports. They're making the chaos even more ridiculous. As, a, as an, in an effort to embarrass the United States of America. Why is nobody, why is nobody saying that? Why is nobody drawing the, you know, the lines? You think it's coincidence that the largest airline in the country, their whole entire system gets shut down while people are at airports all over the country trying to shut them down? I mean, this was, this was custom made for BuzzFeed or CNN. They haven't touched it. Maybe they learned their lesson after that whole golden shower debacle. And then the third one, and this one is tragic. This one is sad. But if we haven't heard it yet, we will eventually. There was... After all this, after this whole weekend of terrorists, of um, uh, Syrian refugees being detained at airports and not being allowed to travel, of green card holders from these seven countries, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Sudan, Somalia, Yemen, all all these different stories coming out, all these protesters that are just so angry saying none of these people are here to hurt us. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't just, just block people from coming into the country who haven't been vetted because you're scared of a terrorist attack. Uh, you know, there have been no, as Cory Booker said, there have been no terrorist attacks by anybody, by anybody from any of those uh, countries on that list for over 40 years, which again, in my opinion is, 40, you know, it's not long enough. It's not long enough to call, you know, to open the borders back up uh, without any kind of extreme vetting process. But as if, as if it were, I don't know, just, just a, it's a tragic situation. But when I woke up this morning and I saw that there was a shooting at a mosque in Quebec City and six people who were praying died, tragically, and two gunmen were yelling Allah Akbar and they were eventually arrested uh, and it appeared to be terrorism. It appeared to be an attack uh, by Muslims on Muslims. And 
I mean, again, the conspiracy theory is to me, the, the mind just begins to wander. And I think to myself, is it, is it just that people don't see the writing on the wall or is it that they're not looking at the wall or is it that they don't care about the wall? And I'm not talking about the one in Mexico. I'm talking about the metaphorical wall with the big writing on it. Just today, when I got home and started preparing for this broadcast, I saw that one member of SEAL Team 6, a Navy SEAL, was killed in an attack on Al-Qaeda uh, terrorists, Al-Qaeda, you know, uh, higher-ups at a trading facility in Yemen. In Yemen, one of the countries on this list. Again, the conspiracy theorist in me would say, well, Donald Trump clearly provoked an attack on an, on an Al-Qaeda base in Yemen where Americans were killed to try to prove that his Muslim ban is important. But clearly he did that just, you know, just cause that's probably a story that you're going to go and, uh, and see later on today Two, I mean, two horribly tragic stories. But when you look at them, when you look at the big picture, it kind of seems like maybe there's something to this whole thing. And maybe that's why CNN and Fox News and the New York Times stopped calling it a Muslim ban and started calling it a travel ban, which is, uh, you know, which is exactly which is exactly what it happens to be. I was detained at the airport, not this weekend, but a few years, well, a while back now. I was in Philadelphia and I was driving to catch a plane. I was late, of course, because that's how I roll. And all of a sudden I was I was I was so close to the airport I could see it. And all of a sudden, I stopped at a stoplight, and a police car pulled up in front of me with the lights blaring, stopped. Two cops got out, put their hands up like this, and wouldn't let me go. And there was a lineup of cars behind me. They wouldn't let them go. They did the same thing on the other side of the street. Pulled a cop car up, got out, put their hands up, wouldn't let anybody go. And I rolled down my window, and I said, what's going on? And they said, sir, you have to wait. And I said, I have a plane, I have a plane to catch, so I'm going to be late. They said, sir, I don't care. You're waiting. And I thought to myself, well, I don't want any trouble with the police again. So I waited patiently and uh, I sat there and then all of a sudden I started hearing sirens and I looked out and I saw more cop cars and I saw cops on motorcycles and then I saw the first black SUV and then the second black SUV and then the third black SUV and then I saw this huge ginormous black limousine with American flags on it followed by another SUV, more cops, more motorcycles and they sped off. And then the cop in front of me waited about 30 more seconds, got back in his car, pulled away, and we all got to go to the airport. And I realized that I had been detained because President Clinton's motorcade was going to go, uh, I guess he had just landed at the airport and he was headed somewhere for some important meeting. The airport was shut down. Nobody was getting on and off of planes. I couldn't even move from out of my car. I was detained at the airport because the president was traveling through. So if you know, they didn't know if I was a threat, they wanted to protect the commander in chief makes perfect sense. That's their job. That's what the police were hired to do. That's what the secret service agents were hired to do. They have one goal, protect the commander in chief. And so they stopped traffic and they stopped the airplanes coming in and they stopped people from accessing or getting close to president Clinton because their job, what they swore an oath to do was to keep them safe. And, and Donald Trump has sworn an oath to keep all of us safe from all enemies, foreign and domestic. So he detained some people until he could make sure that they weren't a threat. Just like I was detained in Philadelphia at the airport until people could make sure I wasn't a threat 
to the president of the United States. That's my story. Uh, listen, I'm going to wrap it up because my throat, I'm starting to, my throat hurts because like, as I said before, I have a cold, but a couple things. First of all, you got to get one of these teas because even I think I'm going to, I'm getting text, text alerts right now that they're, that they're still continuing to sell like hotcakes, uh, working it like Donald. If you are a workhorse, if you have a huge work ethic, if you wake up before six and you work long into the night, if you're constantly thinking of ways to make your life better, your business better, your family's life better, if you make bold decisions, if you're brash, if uh, people look at you and say, man, you are, I don't know how you get so much done, but you just get so much done. You are working it like Donald. You are W-I-L-D. You are wild. And you need a t-shirt to let everybody know uh, that you're wild as well. Those are on sale for a limited time. I will put the link in the description here right now or go to teespring.com slash wild shirt. Also, please go to iTunes and download this podcast. Subscribe to it if you haven't already because it's just, you know, you can you can listen to it. So a lot of people say, hey, you know, I can't listen to your whole Facebook broadcast because I'm at work. Uh, some people complain that it eats, it eats up too much of their data. I totally get it. I totally get it. Some of you don't have unlimited data. I'm I'm in that group myself. I got screwed by the man when they uh, when they when I changed my plan. Oh, that rhymed. That should go on a shirt too. Um, so there's a uh, there's an iPod uh, iTunes app. You can download the podcast. It doesn't eat up as much as your data. It lives on your phone. You can listen to it whenever you want. So uh, I'll put the link for that up in the description as well. In any case, hey, thanks again for joining me. I'll see you tomorrow. Love you. Bye. <laughs>